A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter and John were going up to the temple area for the three o'clock hour of prayer. And a man crippled from birth was carried and placed at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate every day to beg for alms from the people who entered the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. But Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise and walk. Then Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles grew strong. He leaped up, stood, and walked around, and went into the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the one who used to sit begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with amazement and astonishment at what had happened to him. She entered into it. 
Dominus Fabiscum. Alexia Sancti Evangelis Secund Dum Lucum. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them named Cleopas said to him in reply, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, what sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in word, indeed in word, before God and all the people. How our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Verbum Domini. Oh, Amen. 
Did our hearts not burn? You know, as he spoke this word to us, were not our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us? The word of God renews us, renews our faith. And we see in this event that Jesus breaks bread with him. He uses the, the terms used in the Gospels at the Last Supper, took, blessed, broke, gave. You know, these were Eucharistic words, you know, put together. So he was celebrating Mass with them. So he explains the scriptures to them and then celebrates Mass, and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread, and they returned to Jerusalem. They were going away from Jerusalem to a village seven miles away. And today, the scholars aren't sure where it's even located at. <clears throat> they debate about it. And I like that kind of a anonymity of Emmaus, because as many have pointed out, it's, it's a journey maybe we're all on. And that as these disciples were looking downcast, we're told, that this they'd placed these hopes in Jesus as the Messiah, hopes that he would be the one to redeem Israel, and seemingly in failure, he was crucified. The cross was, the, was God's plan. And that has a baffling, I think, impression on all of us at times. You know, the sufferings that we have in life, the difficulties that we have, can cause us to think, you know, where is God? That we can certainly be downcast. Pope Benedict, in reflecting on this passage, he says that the hope of faith has failed. So we might have questions, you know, of why this sickness, economic problems, family problems, unbelief in the family, unsuccessful in life, and life just isn't what we had hoped it would be, right? We live in America and we preach success and maybe our life hasn't been successful as we had wanted it or thought of it. But Benedict pointed out this can be the way of purification and maturation of our belief in God. That in this trials and difficulties, Pope Benedict reflects that it gives us a deeper and more authentic faith tempered by the fire of the Paschal event. At that cross, you know, in that carrying that cross, we find Jesus. We experience that new life, that resurrection through the cross. And he says that we can be given a faith that is robust because it is nourished not by human ideas, but by the word of God and by his real presence in the Eucharist. I love that phrase, not by human ideas. You know, we come up with human solutions all the time. We're great at, great at that in Western culture, especially in America. <coughs> you know, do X, Y, Z, you your life will get better. <clears throat> and maybe it just doesn't get better. <laughs> maybe there's just difficulty and struggle. 
temptation. Maybe we're not as holy as we had hoped we'd be and we're still struggling with faults and weaknesses. But in coming back to the, the word, the scripture and the Eucharist is this great source of renewal for us. And that Paschal mystery, the fruits of it, the sacrifice is represented to us in the Mass, at every Mass, that we can be renewed and strengthened, not dependent on a human strength, not a dependence just on our thinking differently or maybe having a, something of a different approach. These things can be helpful, but I need something more, right? The Gospel's all about the more. If you feel like you want more in your life, you're in the right place. Come to the Word of God. Come to Jesus Christ. He gives us more, and not through the things of this world. He comes in over the top with that Paschal mystery in our life to renew us. <clears throat> and I think, <clears throat> you know, we ourselves have to do our own work, you know, in studying the scriptures. Our Protestant brothers and sisters are good at this, oftentimes <clears throat> reflecting on the Word of God and studying. I, this happens to me all the time. You know, I, I look at, okay, I'm preaching in a few days on a certain topic, and I've got no thoughts on it, no ideas, and I start reading about it. I read the passage. I read some commentary. I start having some questions, and I start looking a little bit, and I get interested, and it has more meaning to me. And we all need to do that. We need to apply ourselves. I always say we do that with the sports culture. We like to learn all about our sports figures and the backstory. We just had the college tournament and the team won Baylor. The coach showed up there 20 years ago, young guy, looks great, handsome, and says, I've come here to win games, not just get to the tournament, but I'm gonna win games in the tournament. 20 years later it took, but he won the championship. It's a great story, it makes it interesting. He's bald and overweight. He won the tournament though, right? He kept at it. I experienced this watching The Chosen. If you've got to see that, you can watch it free on YouTube or wherever. They have some great stuff. Some of it makes us bristle with our Catholic sensitivities, but they have some great stuff. In that. And one of the ones, the most striking episode was the first one for me in talking about Mary Magdalene. And they brilliantly, I think, referred to the scripture passage from Isaiah chapter 43. It opens up and it ends, and in the middle, it refers to this passage. Fear not, Israel, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. That Isaiah 43 is buried in the middle of the suffering servant songs that we've gone through throughout Lent, right, in Holy Week. These are prophecies of Christ. Probably Jesus referred to these prophecies to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus to renew their faith. This is these prophecies were over 500 years before Christ. 
Remember the line, by his stripes we were healed. That's the suffering servant songs. By his stripes, by the beating, the whipping that he took, that mystery of substitution that he suffered in our place. He suffered the punishment, the debt of sin. And in the middle of that, Isaiah 43, has this beautiful message of hope. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. And in the series, you know, when he, when he exercises Mary Magdalene, Jesus repeats that passage to her that she'd been familiar with her whole life. And I thought it's so powerful because we fear that there is no solution. We fear that there is no more. And he's saying, you are mine. I have not forgotten you. And Mary Magdalene, who, you know, tradition associates her with the sinful woman that Simon the Pharisee, remember, he's having a dinner party for Jesus. Sinful woman comes in, anoints his feet, weeps on his feet, dries them with her hair. And, you know, Simon protests. Tradition identifies her with Mary, the sister of Lazarus. She's at the feet of Jesus there. Martha protests. We're told in the scriptures that Mary Magdalene's at the foot of the cross, you know, standing with our Blessed Mother, with John, with the holy women in faith. And then this broken, sinful woman is the first witness recorded in scripture of the resurrection. Isn't that exciting? This broken woman, this sinful woman, the apostle to the apostles, the church calls her, announces the good news that Jesus has not forgotten her. She experiences redemption and salvation and she goes to the tomb with less than perfect faith, right? She goes to anoint a dead body. In, chapter, in John chapter 12, you know, she anoints him again probably, and, and he, you know, he tells, save this for my burial, and she does. She shows up to anoint the dead body of Christ, sees the empty tomb, encounters Jesus after, goes back, and then goes to the disciples, and again, she is rebuffed. <laughs> and they don't believe her. And they, they refer to this here. You know, some women from our group have astounded us. You know, they were at the tomb early in the morning and reported they did not find the body. And she's driven by this love. She's the, one, of the, one of the things she's the patroness of is contemplatives. To spend time in adoration does not make sense according to the logic of the world. What are you doing? You know, she is pushed by love to seek Jesus. And she doesn't seem like the perfect witness to the faith, but she is because Jesus is the one that saves us. If we're set free by Christ, we're truly set free, as the scriptures tell us. So I just encourage you, 
to spend some time in the scriptures, to find the passage that thrills your heart, that excites you. It's a temptation to be downcast. Go to the scriptures, come to mass, be renewed. Put in you know, our own faith and effort into it to encounter the living Christ that has something to say to us, that wants to do something in our lives and is telling us to witness to what he's done for us.